Blog Talk Radio. Again, for the next two hours, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. Of course, as always, you're going to get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion, a number to call, 646-727-3070, 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGan, G-O-F-O-R-I-T, G-A-N-T. So hit us up there. We're going to talk sports. Have fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by former NFL great running back Eddie George. Eddie's going to be joining us. Eddie's going to be talking about the flake gate. We're going to get his thoughts on Tom Brady and, and, and Bill Belichick and the whole thing dealing with the flake gate. We're also going to talk to Eddie about Gaiam Yoga. And, and Eddie has partnered with Gaiam Yoga, uh, and he's doing big things there, so we're going to talk to him about that as well. Also, Hall of Famer Willie Rowe will be joining us. We're going to get Willie's take on the NFL draft, which was great. A lot, very great, actually. Uh, also get Willie's take on all things Gate. get his thoughts on that as well. Also, Cliff Rold, BoxingScene.com will be joining us, talking all things Mayweather or Pacquiao. Uh, what a, It was a good fight to me. I, I don't care. I mean, there's a lot of casual fight fans out here who really didn't like what they saw, but I saw greatness. I saw impressive performance. I saw uh, Floyd Mayweather go out and do what Floyd Mayweather always does, and that's get the victory. But we'll we'll talk to Cliff Rold about that as well. And also Marlon Guild, uh, assistant basketball coach, Ryder University. Uh, we're going to talk to him about the NBA playoffs, get his thoughts on some of the things going on in the National Basketball Association, the NBA playoffs, hot and heavy. A lot of things going on in the world of sports right now. How about May 2nd, last week? I mean, one of the greatest days to be uh, to be alive. One of the great, I mean, if you're a sports fan and you were alive on May 2nd, you need to thank God. You need to thank God that you were alive on May 2nd. I mean, May 2nd was a great day to be a sports fan. Game 7, Clippers-Spurs, what a great game that was. It came down to the end. Chris Paul making an incredible shot. Chris Paul, hampered by a hamstring injury, found a way to get that shot in over Duncan. What a, what a, what a play. What a play by Chris Paul. What a series. And won a game seven. You had the Kentucky Derby. I'm not a big horse racing fan, but you had the Kentucky Derby. And everybody loves the Kentucky Derby, the big party down there in Kentucky. And then you had that nightcap, Mayweather Pacquiao. And, again, some people said it wasn't what they wanted to see. The casual boxing fan obviously was not happy with what they saw. I mean, you hear left and right, the fight was boring. I didn't enjoy the fight, so on and so forth. It was a good fight to me. But it was a great day to be alive May 2nd. What a sports day. I I just thank God that I made it to May 2nd. And who knows, maybe there's another sports day coming up somewhere down the road that will rival May 2nd. I'm not saying it's the greatest sports day of all time, I don't know. 
but it, but it definitely was a good day to be alive and a good day to be a sports fan. Let's talk Mayweather Pacquiao now. We're going to bring in a guy who, who covers boxing for BoxingScene.com. Let's bring him in now, Cliff Roll. Cliff. Hey, Paul. How you doing, buddy? How are you, sir? I am fantastic. Yeah, last weekend I, I just heard you run in. Uh, you, you don't get better than last weekend, and, and I'm a nerd. So on top of it, I got to go see the new Avengers, too. I, I, I don't think I could be much happier. Exactly. I mean, it was a great day to be alive. You should thank God that you made it to May 2nd, 2015. You bet. <laughs> Cliff, let's get right down to it. And let's start with Manny Pacquiao and his shoulder. He had his shoulder surgery of torn rotator cuff. He's going to be out 9 to 12 months. He said it hampered him in the fight. He said he was about 60%. Did Manny look injured to you Saturday night? I mean, he didn't look like he was pulling the trigger like we're used to, even even as much as he did in the Bradley and Algeri fights last year. Um, I think you have to give some of that credit to Mayweather. Um, I, I, I think the, the biggest problem for me is if your right arm is hurt, then where's the left hand that you were you, – I mean, there was a time in Manny's career where pretty much all he did was, was faint and throw the left, and there was no sense of desperation in that fight. And I know he said later, well, I thought I was winning. Um, I, part of that you might be able to chalk up to, you know, you had a 38-year-old and a 36-year-old, two multimillionaires, and they boxed probably more politely than they would have when they were younger. Um, maybe it hampered him, maybe not. A lot of what I saw in the fight are things that I think Floyd would have done, no matter what he was bringing to the table. Floyd's taller, Floyd's longer, and Floyd's got a better boxing IQ, and he outboxed Manny Pacquiao, and that's the bottom line. And, and you talked about it. There was a, the, the, the fighters were, were very polite to each other. There were a lot of, a lot of touching up in that fight. I really, I really didn't expect to see a lot of that in this particular fight. I mean, how mad can you be at the other guy across the ring when you're splitting? I mean, they may split $400 million. How angry can you be? <laughs> For sure. I mean, it is a little difficult. I mean, those guys are making some big, big, big-time money. Let me ask you well, this now. Uh, and I team pack. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, Paul, I'm, I'm losing you for a second there. Are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Okay, sorry. I started to fade out there. Go ahead. Now, let me ask you this. Now, we, we talked about the injured shoulder, and we no, talked the whole situation about now the quarter zone shot. There was Team Pacquiao tried to get a quarter zone shot. It was denied. They checked no on, on the medical uh, form there. And at the end of the day, because they checked no, they were not able to get that quarter zone shot. Are you buying Team Pacquiao's explanation for that? Uh, it's plausible. Uh, I don't I don't know whether it's true or not. I'm not on the ground. I'm not I, – I haven't – you know, I'm not in a position to see MRIs or, or any of that. Um, could it be that they didn't check the right box because they didn't want to, you know, tip their hand on that? Maybe. Um, could it be that there's a little bit of face-saving going on here because you just lost the, the most watched fight in the world in years? Could be some of that, too. Could it be that, you know, part of what makes great winners winners is, is that they don't like to lose and – you know, we've seen in multiple sports over the years, some people just aren't good losers, and Manny has never been one to lose, you know, easily. Um, it could be any number of factors. At the, at the end of the day, this was the, this was the dance. You showed up, and you lost. The end. <laughs> We're talking to com. Cliff Rold. And, Cliff, even if Manny had, had a healthy shoulder, would it have made a difference? I think what we saw on Saturday was that, Floyd Mayweather probably is just a little bit – on Saturday, he was a better boxer than Manny. 
I think we saw enough to indicate he probably would always have been a better boxer than Manny. I think five years ago, obviously, we get a little bit better fight, but better in the sense that the pace is faster, that the fighters are younger. But the problem that Floyd Mayweather has always presented to Manny Pacquiao would always have been there. You know, Manny's, Manny's whole thing was could he get inside and hurt Floyd. In almost 20 years as a professional, Floyd's never legitimately been on the floor. I mean, even if you talk about the Zap Judo fight, so his glove scraped on a balance yeah. shot. I mean, he's been rocked a few, a handful of times in his whole career. I, the the idea that Manny was just going to go in and knock out Floyd is, you know, maybe, but that was always going to be hard to do because you're talking about a guy who hasn't been knocked out. You're banking on that. And like I said last week when we talked, for Manny to win, you've got to bet that Manny Pacquiao can win enough rounds. And I'm not sure there was ever a point in their career where Manny Pacquiao could have won seven or eight rounds clean to, to decisively beat Floyd Mayweather. It's just it's a tall order based on styles and size and, and boxing IQ and all sorts of intangibles. It's just a tough road to hoe. Did you think Floyd was hurt in that fourth round? Yeah, I thought he got rocked. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think there was any doubt. I mean, his knees buckled. I thought there was another moment in the fight where he got rocked a little bit. Um, you know, but I mean, he, he handled it well and he covered it up. And Manny didn't fight very effectively when he when he did have him stunned. Manny went head hunting um, in a place where he and where he probably should have went to the body right away. And I think he lost a window of opportunity. And we've seen that happen before with Floyd. You know, the, he go he covers up so well. He gave up the body. And if Manny Pacquiao had been smart, maybe he comes up with an uppercut. Maybe he can multiply that. But, again, it's just one round. You've you got to win more than one round. And, and I don't think he was going to knock Floyd Mayweather out in the fourth round. We're talking to BoxingScene.com's Cliff Rolden. Cliff, let me ask you this now. We look at the pay-per-view buys. Over $5 million, it's being estimated that it went over $5 million pay-per-view buys. Are you surprised by that? Because I said it could possibly do $4 million last week. You said no. You didn't think it could happen. Are you surprised by the $5 million? I think, well, five isn't, five isn't diagnosed yet, right? It's like, not that's guaranteed. A, that's a guesstimate that's out there. Um, am I surprised? Yeah, a little bit. I, I thought four was, I mean, it was possible. It just seems so high. I mean, you're talking about, you know, that's, that's, right now you're talking about doubling the record for pay-per-view sales. That's astronomical. Um, if they do it, great. I think if, if that happens, um, all this jibber-jabber about, you know, shoulders and cowards and sore losers uh, sort of gets engulfed in, in finding a way to talk people into a rematch. Um, I mean, think about it. If the rematch did half the sales of the first fight, $5 million, it, the rematch would be the second biggest fight of all time right. in, on pay-per-view. So how do you not do the rematch? I mean, it, it just – with a year to talk it up and make excuses and, and, and get the fans of the losing side to believe that they have another shot at this. Um, I mean, there's just so much money to be made. It's hard to believe they won't do that, but we'll see. I mean, Floyd said he's going to fight in September. We'll see who he fights. He's not getting any younger. You keep tempting fate with younger guys, and eventually one might creep up on you. Um, so we'll see what happens with Floyd. Could Amir Khan be that guy? There's talk that Amir Khan could be up next for Floyd in September. We talked about this before. I like Amir Khan, not necessarily to win, but I like his chances against Floyd Mayweather. I would pick Mayweather probably to win. Um, you know, Amir Khan's chin is so tricky um, that, you know, could, could Floyd catch him? Maybe. But I think two fights that come to mind when I think of a Khan Mayweather fight Sugar Ray Leonard, Terry Norris, and Pernell Whitaker, Dio Bella Sertato. Um, those are both fights where an older fighter and older master 
uh, got in big trouble against a younger, faster, skilled fighter. Amir Khan is younger, he's faster, and he's skilled. Um, I think you probably are more likely to see a Whitaker-Hurtado situation, not necessarily where Floyd gets dropped like Purnell did, but where he gets threatened early, falls behind, might have to come back later in the fight. I think that's an exciting matchup based on Khan's speed. Um, you know, could we see it? Yes. Um, you know, Khan's already saying, you know, with Ramadan earlier this year, he could probably make it happen. That, for me personally, is a fight I've been interested in for a couple of years. Even though I know for a lot of people, Amir Khan is a is is a is is a is sort of damaged goods because he's had some losses. I like the style match there. I could be completely wrong. I just think it's a very interesting fight. What about Mayweather Keith Thurman? I know I don't think that's going to happen in September, but would Thurman have a legitimate chance against Mayweather? I think he does. He would. Um, you know, we haven't seen Thurman have the same sort of vulnerability as Khan uh, chin wise. He also doesn't have the same sort of speed. Uh, I'm not sure he has the boxing IQ to outbox Floyd Mayweather. Could he get physical with him? Yes. I, I'm just not sure. I, I haven't seen enough of Keith Thurman where I think he would necessarily be a legitimate threat to Floyd Mayweather right now. I know some people disagree, and if that fight happens, I'm all for it. That's an exciting fight. You know, it's an exciting thing when a 38-year-old fighter like Floyd Mayweather keeps going to the well against younger fighters. If, if we're going to see him do that, and we've seen him do it with Maidana and Victor Ortiz, you know, he, he's given some younger guys a, a, a bite at the apple. So if he gives it to Keith Thurman, Canelo Alvarez, he gave a bite at the apple. So, you know, if he wants to do that, good for him. I mean, you know, a lot of great fighters were already done at 38. I mean, Sugar Ray Leonard was done at 34. Floyd's still hanging in there pretty tough, um, you know, so we'll see what he does. He, he, Floyd's earned the right to do pretty much whatever he wants to do. Manny Pacquiao, what's next for him in your mind? Rehab and hope Floyd gives him a rematch. Um, if that doesn't work out, you know, he could do a lot of stuff. He could fight the winner of Timothy Bradley and Jesse Vargas. He could, you know, the, Bob Aaron was talking about Kell Brook earlier in the week. He could try to do that fight. Manny Pacquiao, it's not like he's lost his bankability. He's still the second biggest star in, in the world in boxing, um, you know. And, and he didn't lose in a way where he got destroyed or, you know, he, he just got completely embarrassed. He was, he was outboxed over the course of 12 rounds. Um, and, and I think that's something he could come back from with a couple exciting performances. But at his age and with his style, don't expect much more from Manny Pacquiao. There's not a lot in the well on for either one of these guys. They got, they're got they both much closer to retirement than they are to their prime. We're talking to BoxingScene.com's Cliff Rold. And, Cliff, let me ask you this now. Big fight coming up this weekend, James Kirkland, uh, Canelo Alvarez. How do you see that one? I, I favor Canelo Alvarez because I don't trust James Kirkland's chin. We've seen him hurt quite a few times. We've seen him knocked out by Ashita. He's not with Ann Wolf. But I'll tell you this, if that fight gets past three or four rounds, we've seen Canelo Alvarez get tired in fights as they go on. I think that could play to James Kirkland's hand. He is a tornado. He's one of these odd fighters that his chin seems to get better as the fight goes longer. Um, and I think part of that is just that he puts so much heat on people that it takes steam off of their shots because it takes – so much to keep him off. So it's a live fight. I, I think Canelo probably catches him early, but if he doesn't, if, they, if James Kirkland is still around and still heaving leather in the fifth round, Canelo Alvarez has a handful. For sure, for sure. And for those who didn't like Mayweather Pacquiao, you definitely are going to like James Kirkland, Canelo Alvarez. That's going to be – Kirkland comes straight forward. So you're definitely going to like the fight. It's going to be exciting. Every James if, you want, fight if you want an action fight, if that's what you were hoping for last weekend, 
And God help, I don't know why any – I mean, it's not like Floyd Mayweather hasn't been selling multi-millions of pay-per-views for years. People know what they're getting in a Floyd Mayweather fight. They were hoping that Manny could break the code, but when he couldn't, you know, I mean, what are you really complaining about? That you saw another Floyd Mayweather fight? It was just like a lot of them. Right. So, but here, if you want action, you're going to get probably more of that in the first two rounds than you got all of last weekend, like for consistent, steady, hell-bent for leather action. And, and of course, people want that. I mean, that's what, that's what the, the casual fan and the hardcore fan, I mean, when you go to the fights and you see people who go to fights all the time, even the hardcore fans, what brings them out of their seat? All-out war. I mean, everybody loves that kind of fight. You'll, you'll get it this weekend. You'll get some more warfare next weekend with Golovkin. You know, there's, there's always room for the action fighter. The good thing about last weekend is if you were disappointed, at least you were disappointed because the fight wasn't as exciting as you wanted it to be. You weren't disappointed at the end because there was a terrible decision and it reinforced all the negative opinions you had of boxing. True. Last weekend, you got a fair fight with a fair outcome. And I think in the long run, that in order to get fans to come back consistently, you have to rebuild the credibility of boxing. And there was nothing uncredible about the outcome last weekend. Let me ask you this. And, and I've been, you know, on social media seeing a lot of things. Well, Mayweather, Hearns. Mayweather couldn't handle Hearns. Leonard, Duran, in that particular era. How do you think Mayweather would do in that era against the Duran, against the Leonard, against the Thomas Hearns? Well, I mean, you can, in his prime, and I, I mean, you know, at welterweight, you're talking 29, 30-year-old Floyd Mayweather. I think you would have given Ray Leonard fits. I favor Ray Leonard because Ray Leonard was a more natural welterweight. Ray Leonard was a big welterweight that could grow into middleweight and super middleweight. Floyd Mayweather is a, is a guy who was in his absolute physical peak from about 130 to 140 who grew into welterweight. But I think he would have given Sugar Ray Leonard fits. He would have given Wilfred Benitez fits. Him and Duran would have been a fascinating fight. Tommy Hearns would have smoked Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. He's too big. Tommy mm-hmm. Hearns is the guy who had the frame to go up and fight cruiserweight. And at welterweight, you're talking about a ridiculous heavyweight reach, speed that outdoes Manny Pacquiao or Floyd Mayweather. Tommy Hearns is a bad matchup for a lot of welterweights in history. You had to have enough size and power to compete with Tommy Hearns. Otherwise, you were in big trouble. What were you going to do, outbox him? I mean, how, how was, how's Floyd going to get inside? Floyd is a... Floyd is a minimalist on offense. What's he going to do against Tommy Hearns? But, I mean, that's just one guy. I mean, how would Floyd have done it 130 pounds against Alexis Arguello? I think he would have done great there. How would he have done it 135 against guys like Edwin Rosario and Julio Cesar Chavez? I think he would have done great there. I think there's too much focus on how he would have done against great welterweights because that's where he is right now. I think you also have to ask how he would have done against great fighters at 130 and 135, and I think you get a fuller picture of how he measures up historically. Now, with the way the fight turned out in terms of the excitement level, was this fight good for boxing at the end of the day? I think it was. I mean, it was a big stage for boxing. But in your opinion, was it great for boxing? I don't, I don't think it was great um, because I, I don't think that enough of the viewing public loved the fight. But the people I was with, you know, they're, they're somewhere in between hardcore and casual. Um, they were fine with it. I mean, they understood how Floyd fights. They had respect for his skill level. You know, I talked to some people back home, you know, in my family. Some of them didn't like the Floyd fight. Some of them who were used to seeing Floyd a little more, they were fine with it. Again, I, I think it wasn't great for boxing. I, I mean, it wasn't the box office. But, you know, for the people who were disappointed, at least they, they walked away disappointed because they didn't see the outcome they wanted. They didn't see the violence they wanted. But they didn't see anything that was illegitimate. You didn't have a Lennox Lewis, uh, a Lennox Lewis Evander Holyfield one kind of moment. 
you didn't have a Pernell Whitaker, Julio Cesar Chavez kind of moment, the kind of moment that makes people throw up their hands and never want to watch boxing again, those fights cost the sport fans because they delegitimized the sport. And this, this fight didn't do that. So uh, I think in, in that sense it was fine for boxing. What's going on on BoxingScene.com? Hey, you know, I mean, lots of stuff this week. You know, people getting ready for Canelo Kirkland. Next week, uh, you know, I'll have something on, on the undercard of the Golovkin fight, looking at flyweight Roman Gonzalez, who, you know, when Floyd Mayweather retires, he might be the new pound-for-pound king. Uh, he's just a fantastic, wonderful fighter. Golovkin also is going to be a lot of fun to watch next week. Tonight we'll have a preview for the Canelo-Kirkland fight. So lots of fun stuff going on in the boxing scene every week. Cliff. Pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. Absolutely, Paul. Anytime, buddy. Take care. All right. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. Cliff Rold, BoxingScene.com. Interesting, interesting comments by Cliff Rold. I mean, to his point, it, it wasn't great for boxing, but it wasn't bad for boxing. I mean, at the end of the day, you still had five million plus in terms of pay-per-view buys. I know it's an estimate at this point, but five, at, at least, I mean, you're talking probably about 5 million people, 5 million buys, I should say, millions upon millions of people watching it, everybody. The world stopped. The world did stop on some level. Fight parties galore. You had to pick the litter. You know, I, I know I did, and I know a lot of other, other people who did as well. So the fight was great. I mean, you, in, in terms of business, it was great. In terms of the outcome, um, obviously, there was a lot of people wanting to see Mayweather lose. And in terms of the excitement level, it wasn't where people wanted it to be. And, and I get that. I get that. I truly get that. And um, to Cliff's point, if the flight, fight would have happened, say, four or five years ago, at, when these guys were at their prime, their, their, their absolute prime, maybe it could have been different. Maybe it would have been a little more exciting. You, you probably would have got the same outcome, but you would, it would have been a lot more exciting, and it might have brought more people to the sport. But – you know, again, you can say what you want about the sport of boxing, but when when five million people buy a, a pay per view at a hundred million, a hundred dollars, you know, obviously there's still popularity with this sport, and the sport is not dead. It's not dead at all. Boxing is not dead. I love the sport of boxing. It's not dead. Let's go to Tom Brady now, and uh, as we go throughout the course of the show. I'm going to give you my thoughts on Tom Brady. That's coming up next. Um, Mayweather-Pacquiao, we'll talk about that a little more. Also, the NBA playoffs, which are hot and heavy. Uh, we're get, we'll get into that. Matt Barnes. What's up with Matt Barnes? Come on. Come on, son. We'll talk about that as well. Tom Brady, the flake gate. Well, it came out. Uh, Ted Wells' report, it took a long time for this report to come out. At, at one point, I'm thinking this report will never come out. But eventually it did come out. It came out, and it's probable, according to Ted Wells, that Tom Brady knew or, or had some idea that those balls were being tampered. I mean, I never talked about – I don't think we've all talked about balls and PSIs so much in our life, ever, ever. And we talked about it so, so much. And obviously the Wells Report came out 243 pages of, I guess, circumstantial evidence that connects Tom Brady probably to uh, Jim McNally 
and uh, the other gentleman, John Jastrzemski, you know, it, it, it points to those guys. It connects those guys, Brady and the two ball boys, the two Patriot personnel. It connects those two guys. And, again, circumstantial evidence. And for this report, Tom Brady would not hand over his cell phone. Guilty people, I mean, excuse me, innocent people, would, you would think an innocent person would hand over their cell phone, like, look, here you go. I got nothing to hide here. This is it. I didn't do anything. I had nothing to do with it. Here's my cell phone. Do what you got to do. You would think a, a, an innocent man here in this particular situation would do that. I, I would think it's simple. Here's my cell phone. Here's my cell phone. Take it. So it, it's obvious to me, after reading the report, even before the report, no ball boy is messing with balls during during the AFC championship AFC championship game or before the AFC championship game. No ball boy is messing with those balls unless instructed by a quarterback, coach, or somebody else. No way. Not on that stage. It's not happening. It's not happening. And Tom Brady at one point said he didn't know. Jim McNally, but John Jastrzemski says, well, you know, in one of the text message, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't have the text message in front of me, but I'm paraphrasing, basically, he talked about you, talking about Tom Brady and, and uh, uh, McNally, Jastrzemski said he talked about you. So, I don't know. And here's the quote. Here's the text right here. This is uh, McNally talking to Jastrzemski. Can't say this man's name. Jastrzemski. Here's the text. This happened on October 17th, 2014. Tom sucks. This is McNally to John Jastrzemski. Tom sucks. Quote, Tom sucks. I'm going to make that next ball bleeping balloon. A bleeping balloon. Again, Jastrzemski, excuse me, responds to John Jim McNally, excuse me, quote, talked to him last night. He actually brought you, brought you up and said you must have a lot of stress trying to get them done. Brady said he didn't know Jim McNally. That's a lie. That's a lie, I guess. Somebody's not telling the truth. And then when the block got hot and everybody was talking about this and there was a talk that, you know, some of the the balls were deflated and some of the balls were below the NFL standard, well, Tom Brady and John Jastrzemski started texting back and forth. Brady to Jastrzemski, January 19th, 2014. You good, Johnny boy. He responds, still nervous. So far, so good, though. I'll be all right. Brady, you didn't do anything wrong, bud. I know. I'll be all good. Responds, Jastrzemski. Jastrzemski again. January 19th. FYI, Dave, we've been picking your brain later about it. He's not accusing me or anyone. Trying to get a trying to get to the bottom of it. He knows it's unrealistic. You did it yourself. Just a heads up. Brady. No worries, bud. 
We're all good. Brady to John Jastrzemski. JJ, are you here? Jastrzemski, yup. Brady, <coughs> excuse me. Come to the QB room. So now, and Jastrzemski has been with the team for 20 years. And never, ever has he ever been invited to the QB's office, the QB room. That's Tom Brady's office. That's his room. That's his, that's his where, he's, where he does his thing, prepares for games, the quarterback room. It's his room. And he invites him in. He invites him in. And then, text message, January 20th, 2015. And again, John Jastrzemski, Brady to John Jastrzemski, you're doing good. And also, these two were on the phone for periods of a time. <clears throat> Around this time, they were also on the phone, had phone conversations, January 19th. They had a phone conversation about for about 25 minutes. January 20th, a phone conversation for about 10, uh, 10 minutes, 9 minutes and 55 seconds to be exact. And another phone call on January 21 for about 21 minutes. So they're talking a lot. They're, they're texting each other. This is obvious to me. I know the circumstantial evidence, but it's pretty obvious. Brady doesn't give up his phone. He doesn't have to, but he didn't give his phone up. Why not? If you if I'm in the business of trying to clear my name, I'm going to try to clear my name. So I'm going to do whatever I got to do to clear my name. If you want my phone, have it. If that clears my name, have it. Have it. He answered questions and everything for this particular report, but, quote, he declined to make available any documents or electronic information, including text messages and emails that we requested, even though those requests were limited to the subject matter of our investigation, such as messages concerning the preparation of game balls, air pressures of balls, inflation of balls, or deflation of balls. And we offered to allow Brady counsel we, allow, we offered to allow Brady's counsel to screen and control the production so that it would be limited strictly to responsive materials and would not involve our taking possessions of Tom Brady's telephone or electronic devices. So, to me, again, if, if, if I'm in the shoes of Tom Brady and, and you know, maybe the greatest quarterback alive, and I have an opportunity to clear my name, uh, from these, I mean, these allegations are coming hot, heavy, and fast. And I have an opportunity to clear my name. Well, I'm going to go try to clear my name. I, I'm going to go try to to do whatever I got to do. Take my phone, cell phone. You want me? You know, you want emails? Have them. Whatever you want, I'm here. I'm good. I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. I'm an innocent man. This is a witch hunt. If that's what I would be if I'm Tom Brady and, and I'm innocent. He's obviously not innocent, in my opinion. It's it's all probable, but I think probable is enough. 
I really do. I know there's been some reports out there that he could be suspended for a year. I'm thinking along the lines of, of, of four games, two to four. That's what I'm thinking. Eight at the most. I don't think he gets a season. I really don't. But I wouldn't be surprised. But I don't think he gets a season. Is it good, is it good business for the NFL to suspend maybe their most popular player? Is that good business? Because at the end of the day, this is business. This is the entertainment business. Is it good business for the league to suspend Tom Brady for the rest of the season? Is that good business? And I think that's a question that has to be answered. Is it good business? Because, you know, you're starting week one, Patriots, you know, the first game of the year. The first game of the year. Week one. Pittsburgh, New England. NBC, 830. Starts off the season, the 2015 season. Tom Brady, based on reports, probably won't be there. Based off of what you're hearing. I think a suspension is inevitable. But your best player on the team that was the best team in 2014, again, and the team that's going to be kicking off the 2015 season, their best player won't be there. And who knows the possibility he could be gone for the year. But a decision is imminent. The deflator, Tim McNally, as he calls himself, I, again, four games, I'm two to four games, I'm thinking. I, I think I'm good with something like that. I think I would almost be good with no suspension. Because, you know, with these balls, this is something that, that happens. But at the end of the day, a lot of people speed, a lot of people cheat on their taxes, a lot of people do a lot of things. But don't get caught. Tom Brady got caught. Now, in terms of of his legacy in terms of, of, of last season and, and, and the Super Bowl and that Super Bowl run, does this affect his legacy? I have to say no. Because you look at this game, when, when, and that game was 14 to nothing at halftime, and after the half, New England just really dominated the rest of that game. The second half, when the balls were legit, where the balls were, were right, where the balls were at the correct PSI, the, pe- the, the correct measurements, the correct everything, New England outscored them 28 to nothing. The following week in the Super Bowl, Tom Brady had regular balls as well. And he went out and had a great performance against the Legion of Boom in that Seattle Seahawks secondary and defense. So with that being said, does this affect his legacy? I mean, I'll compare it to uh, uh, Jerry Rice. <coughs> Excuse me. Jerry Rice came out recently and said that he used stickum. Now, I don't. What Jerry Rice basically is the goat 
in terms of wide receiver position. He's the greatest receiver of all time. Some believe the greatest player in NFL history. I don't hear any talk. I mean, I know Chris Carter came out and said, you know, if Jerry Rice did cheat, you know, that does change things for him. For me, it doesn't change it. I mean, Jerry Rice, still the greatest wide receiver of all time. Still is. Doesn't change it. Nothing changes it. As far as I'm concerned, he never got caught, but at the same time, he did cheat. Stickham was illegal at the time, so he did cheat. Now, I know before that, Lester Hayes, you know, when Stickham was not outlawed, Lester Hayes, you know, used to lather up his hands and his body and everything with Stickham. I said, you know what? He said this back in February. This is back in February where Jerry Rice said this. And he said he admitted it, you know, quote, I know this might be a little illegal, guys. I just put a little spray, like a little stickum on them to make sure that the texture is a little sticky. So Jerry Rice says. That's what Jerry Rice says. And so if he did it, I don't think it changes his legacy. I mean, Jerry Rice is great, was great. And a little stick him on his gloves, I don't really think made him greater. I don't think it did. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Everybody tries to get some kind of competitive advantage. But I say this, if you believe that Tom Brady, his legacy, has been affected by this. If you believe that this takes the luster off that Super Bowl victory, if you believe that now you've got to put a little star next to Tom Brady in the Patriots' uh, 2014 Super Bowl victory, if you believe that, then I think you have to go along the same lines and say, Jerry Rice, you have to look at him as well. He used a substance that was banned by the NFL. He used a substance that was banned by the NFL. So if we say Jerry Rice cheated, then I think we have to say it affects his legacy if we're going to say it affects Tom Brady's legacy. Tom Brady, still arguably the GOAT. Four Super Bowls, six Super Bowl appearances. That's GOAT-like. That is GOAT-like. And to me... That makes Tom Brady possibly still the GOAT. It doesn't change it. It just doesn't change it because I think the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in what happened in that second half. And the proof is in what happened in that Super Bowl. And I don't think this is the first time Tom Brady has done it. But numerous uh, quarterbacks will tell you that this is not uncommon. This is not uncommon. Just wasn't. But at the end of the day, cheating is cheating. And he has to pay. The Saints had to pay. And, you know, the Saints paid. I thought that was unfortunate as well because, you know, bounties have been a part of the game of football for years. I thought that was unfortunate. And that ruined that Saints season. That season was done from the beginning. 
lost their coach for the year. You know, their GM, few players. I mean, it, it, it just decimated that season. That season was over before it began. And I thought the league was a little ridiculous with that, but I know why they were ridiculous with that. Because the concussion lawsuit was right there and it was hot and heavy. And I also heard someone say this. It's funny, mighty funny how this comes out right after the draft. You know, the NFL let the draft go on and, and no mention of this. And then, you know, as soon as the draft starts to die down, draft talk starts to die down, you know, teams have already started their rookie camps and things of that nature. And this was before teams started their rookie camp. This camp, this comes out. This comes out. I think it's funny. I think I think it's mighty funny. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens with Tom Brady. It's going to be interesting. I don't see him getting a year of suspension. It's not good for business. It's not good for business to have arguably your best player one of your most popular players, out for the year. It's not. And you could say, okay, what about Adrian Peterson? You know why Adrian Peterson was shut down? Sponsorships. Sponsors were, were having some issues. That's your money. That's your bread and butter. That's how these teams eat. They're eating off of that. So you start affecting the bottom line, that's when the NFL starts really caring about domestic violence. That's what any company starts uh, caring about anything when you start affecting the bottom line. And the Adrian Peterson situation started affecting the bottom line. Start affecting the bottom line, and when it does that, when, it's the, when it starts to make, uh, you know, hurting your bottom line, hurting your pocket, that's when issues arise. That's when issues arise. Anyway, when we come back, we're going to get Eddie George's take on Deflate Gate. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean it. anything in the playoffs, Tom. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was, uh, trying to throw you, you know what? I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're Come capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all. That's not Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) We're back. We're going to be bringing a guy now, tremendous NFL career, over 10,000 yards rushing, 68 big touchdowns. He's doing some big things in the yoga world. We're going to bring him in now. Let's bring him in now, former NFL star, the one, the only, Eddie George. Eddie, how are you, man? Man, I'm doing awesome, man. Can't complain. Body's doing well. My mind's focused. Got a great family around me, so I, I can't complain about much at all. So life is good. It's good to be Eddie George right now. Yeah, yeah, I can say this. 
Now, I know somebody that is really not good to be right now. That's Tom Brady. As we all found out, uh, you know, reports are, according to the Wells report, Tom Brady probably knew what was going on with those footballs. Your thoughts on this, and, and what happens to Tom Brady? Does he get suspended? You know, uh, first of all, are, are you surprised? No. Are you really surprised? All right. No. I mean, listen, New England has been in this situation before with Spygate, and that's just one of the other instances that we that hasn't been that hasn't been caught on. So who knows what this organization has has been doing the last few years? So and, and Tom Brady gets caught. I think that um, yeah, he should get suspended. Why not? I mean, how many know, games? Uh, I, you know what? That I can't make that call. I, I, okay. I think maybe six at the very at the at the least. Um, you know, for him not to. Uh, come out and just say, yeah, you know, I did uh, deflate the balls. It, uh, uh, I, I'm sorry about it. And we continue to move forward and take the punishment to go ahead and move forward with it. But to constantly try to cover up and listen to his press conferences and so forth, I'm sick of it. So I think he should get penalized for it. And the NFL has an opportunity to really hammer home how they're going to stand when teams step outside the line when they push the envelope in terms of getting competitive edge. Do you look at Tom Brady any differently? A lot of people believe that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, greatest quarterback of all time. Do you look at him any differently? Yeah, I do. Because you, could, you can't just sweep that under the rug. And like, oh, okay, yeah, he's deflated the ball. That's not a big issue. Then why did he deflate the ball if it's not a, if it's not a competitive edge? There's a, there's a reason why. So my thing is, you know, yes, he won, he's won all, he's won Super Bowls, he's played great, he's been amazing for the New England Patriots. But in my mind, that will be tainted because of what he's been able to do. And, and, and again, what else has he done in his career where you might question his integrity? I mean, again, he comes from a culture that's used to doing that, pushing the envelope to try to get the, the, the best, the best method of, of figuring out ways to win the ball game. And, you know, here it is again, you know, with the deflate gate, what else is there where you have to question, okay, how many championships could they have not won or would have won if they had done whatever? So I, I think that, yes, you know, you have to put some type of asterisk behind it or it, it's definitely deemed as tainted moving forward. So you feel like, okay, let's just say, I believe that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. At this point, you're not, you're you're knocking him down because of this Deflate Gate situation. Well, I, I personally, I think that you know Joe Montana is the greatest, uh, regardless of how many championships. I think when you look at his body of work, you know when you have this uh, turmoil and scrutiny surrounding Tom, it definitely takes him down. It doesn't take him out of the top five. But to say the greatest of all time, um, you didn't hear this with Joe Montana. You didn't hear this with John Elway. You never heard this with uh, Dan Marino, from what we know, you know, um, uh, stretching uh, uh, the limits in terms of what you can do in the football field for competitive advantage. So what we know right now with Tom Brady in this era, there has been Deflategate, there has been Spygate, and who knows what else may have come out of there. Uh, knowing what I know, having played against them up in New England, you know, there have been some questions about how things have been handled 
during the course of a ball game. So I'm not surprised at all that we're having this conversation. Let me ask you this now, just to play a little devil's advocate with you. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice came out and, and talked about, you know, he did some things to help him catch the football things that were a little illegal. Does that change the way you view Jerry Rice? But did Jerry get caught? No. I mean, <laughs> what are we talking about? And he blatantly came out and said, uh, no, the balls, I mean, you know, he, he, no one can touch his balls and massage his balls, you know, after a certain time frame when he checks them out before the game and comes to find out that he had, he knowingly uh, had, was involved in this. I mean, come on, man, what are you really covering up? And again, I w- what some people in the media are trying to do is sweep it under the rug, like, oh, yeah, it's not it's no big deal. It's, nothing, it's much to do about nothing, but why do it if it's, if it's not much to do about nothing? You know, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that he's not the greatest, but certainly when you're trying to get that competitive edge, you're doing things like that, you know you're, 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 you're pushing the truth, then I have a problem with that. We're talking to former NFL great. Eddie George and Eddie, you talked about the, your Tennessee Titans last month. You talked about this team, and you said they were in disarray. They may have found their quarterback of the future, Marcus Mariota. Are you happy with the direction of the franchise, and are you happy with Mariota? Um, I think that what I, what I said was, you know, I thought the the front office was okay. in disarray, and when you have when you see that the product it trickles down to the product on the football field. They only won two ball games last year. For sure. Um, basically with the same team that Munchak had the year before when they went eight or nine. So that being said, you know, you had uh the death of uh, Bud Adams and then uh Tommy Smith comes in and takes over and he he retires. So there is disarray, there is dysfunction there, whether they like it or not. The question is how are they going to right the road? So um, that remains to be seen. I think Marcus Mariota is a, uh, is a project. I think he can be a fantastic professional if he's in the right position and the right offense. Um, Ken Wisenhunt is deemed as a, a, a quarterback's coach. And, what, and that remains to be seen. I think the jury's still out on what the Titans can do this year. Uh, I know they invested a lot into, into weapons around surrounding him, in the wide receivers, uh, mm-hmm. fullback, running back, and so forth. But – that that generates excitement with the fans. How you win championships is building up your offense and your defensive line. You got to get heat defensively. You got to get on the quarterback, and you got to be able to open up holes and protect the quarterback with the offensive line. And I, and last year, I think the Titans were in the bottom half, if not last, or close to last in rushing yards. So the issue remains to be seen that they've got to be able to run the football. So uh, I'm curious to see if, philo- if the philosophy can can help. Marcus Mariota uh, translate his game to an NFL game. So I think he's a great talent, um, but we have to, it remains to be seen what the Titans can do with that talent. Now, Eddie, I'm, I'm looking at your body, man. I'm seeing pictures of your body. Maybe you can help out at the running back position. <laughs> nah, man, that's just for the young boys, man. My days are so still old, brother. I mean, uh, it looks that way, but uh, on the inside, you hit me one good time, I'm tapping out. <laughs> if you had the choice, if you were the Titans, would you have taken Winston or Mariota if the if the Titans actually had that choice? Who would you have taken? Honestly, I would have taken uh I would have gone uh with Fowler Jr. I would have taken a defensive end. Okay. All right. 
Um, that's just that's just my personal opinion. I mean, both quarterbacks are fantastic. I don't think the Titans are a quarterback away from uh, a Super Bowl. Again, I think they just need help in other areas uh, on their team to build, and they can get adequate play out of the quarterback position. So, I mean, it really at that at that point you, you can't go wrong. I think Winston is a fantastic uh, talent. I think he's more pro ready than Marcus Mariota because of just the style of play that he's played at at, uh, at Florida State. He's only one loss. He's only lost one ball game in his entire uh, collegiate career. He's a he's uh, he has command of the huddle. He, he's a student of the game. His football IQ is off the chart. He can make every throw there is to make, and he comes from a pro style offense. So I think he's more uh, NFL ready than Marcus Mariota. Now Marcus is a, a fantastic raw talent um, that can be molded into that. So it, it really comes on comes down to uh, who can mold him and guide him into being and pulling out the best that Marcus can be uh, in the NFL. We're talking to former NFL great Eddie George. And Eddie George, I, Eddie, I wanted to get your take on this. LaShawn McCoy, he told ESPN the magazine that he felt like Chip Kelly got rid of, quote, all the good black players. Your thoughts on those comments? I, I think it was uh, irresponsible, uh, one, because there should have been a follow-up to the question, like, what do you mean? Right. Um, which black players, you know, how is that so? I mean, this, you know, this is a business. And you know, I don't know. I don't know per- personally, uh, Chip Kelly. I've never been around him, um, but I don't think this comes down to a race issue because he goes out, he places with Sean McCoy with another black player, and then Marco Murray. For sure. <laughs> so uh, he got rid of Nick Foles, who was a white quarterback. So I think he's trying to find the best players for his system, and there could be a little chippiness there from Sean McCoy, who had a tough time finding his way in his system for the second year, right. and he may not be the right fit for that. you got to understand, you know, your cap number was getting pretty high, and they're going to go out and find a running back that can do what he wants him to do and maybe at a cheaper price. So I think it's less about race and more about the business. Okay. And I agree with you. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't know if Chip Kelly's a racist or not, but I think it's very difficult to be a racist and be a coach in the NFL. The NFL is yeah, 80% black. black. Yeah, really? I mean, come on. Really, come on. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Eddie. Over 10,000 yards rushing, 68 touchdowns in your career. In your opinion, do you feel like you're a Hall of Famer? Uh, wow. I mean, that's that's a really uh, question that I can't answer. Okay. Um, I think you have to look at, you know, uh, what the other people make, that, that the powers that be, what they think. Um, the fact that uh, my name is mentioned with Jim Brown as the only two running backs to ever rush for 10,000 yards that I missed the game, that has something, you can say something about that. You can also say that uh, Walter Payton is the only other running back that has more consecutive starts than me in the entire NFL history. You can say that. So I guess when you mentioned that my name with those two, you can almost consider me for the high, for the uh, for a Hall of Fame bid. Now it just comes down to what the voters think, how that whole process works. I don't know. Um, right. Of course, that would be it would be honored to do so uh, to be inducted into that the Hall of Fame. It's the, the creme de la creme. Uh, but I can't worry about things I can't control. Now, Eddie, you're doing big things in the yoga world. You got you're doing the Gaia Yoga program. Tell us about it. 
Yeah, I partnered up with Guyam uh, to create a workout, um, you know, for by athletes, uh, for athletes and other people uh, to really delve into it. And it's focused on your core, uh, stretching, strength, balance. We, we approach all of that within this workout. As myself, uh, Kevin Love is also uh, doing a, a feature among other athletes. And it's really to show um, men to say, listen, let's get rid of the idea that yoga is for women. It's for all people, for people of different ages, athletes, non-athletes, it doesn't matter. And here are the things that you can do to supplement a regular workout where you're work, training in the weight room or if you're running, if you're, bike, if you're, if you're uh, riding the bike, swimming, it doesn't matter. Here's something else that you can do. Uh, at your leisure, it doesn't require a whole great deal of equipment. Just you, your attention, and your motivation to stick with these movements. And I, I've been doing yoga since 1997. Okay. And um, I, I like to think that it had a lot to do with the fact that I did play as many games as I played without missing a game due to injury. And sure. uh, it's been fantastic practice for my life, just not from a physical perspective, but also from – uh, a stress level, stress management perspective, um, uh, a centering, uh, a spiritual perspective. It really just hones me in and gets me in a line uh, with the things that I have to do on my day-to-day life. So my practice in yoga is very much like me breathing. Uh, it's, it's essential that I have to have it in my life, and I'm just sharing it with others, uh, with, with Guy and this project, and it's a really cool thing. So if you never tried it, I recommend you get it, man. You'll see some good stuff in there. You'll you'll be surprised that, you know, if you can bench press 315 pounds 20 times, how difficult it is for you just to hold one pose for a minute, and that's a down dog. And uh, that tells me that you can definitely stretch and you can work on the muscles that you normally wouldn't work in those situations and and really open up in that regard. So it's uh, it's a fantastic deal. So if I do some yoga, I can get my body looking like yours? I can't say that. Uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't go on record and say that. But what I can say, you can definitely uh, get a great workout in. You can feel great afterwards. And you can build on something uh, in terms of your flexibility, your breathing, and your spirituality all tucked into one. So it's a great practice to have. Now, where can fans find information about the Gaiam Yoga Program? You know, you can go to, I guess, the website and figure that out. Um, you can find it there. Um, you can also Google it. You can, uh, you can find it uh, in, that, in that regard. Um, the DVD is already in stores right now, so I guess okay. you, can, uh, get, you can find it in that, that, that pathway. Sounds good, fans. Make sure you go out. Google it, Gaiam Yoga Program. Go to their website. You can go to your nearest store. You can get it as well. Also support this man, Eddie George. Go to eddiegeorge.com. Also support this man on Twitter at eddiegeorge2727. Eddie, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Yes, sir. We can definitely do it again, my man. Take care. How you too. Eddie George, former Titan great, great running back, had a great career. Pleasure talking. Eddie George, and to Eddie's point, um, in, in terms of <clears throat> the Deflate Gate and everything, 
if it really did not give give Brady a, could, uh, a competitive advantage or an advantage on some level, then why do it? And, and so it obviously gives him an advantage on some level. How much of an advantage? Who knows? But it gives him an advantage on some level. We'll see what happens. Obviously, interesting story. Tom Brady at this point says he, it's been 30 hours. He said it last night. He was at Salem State. Uh, he had a, a, an event there. He was uh, scheduled that event uh, a long time ago, and he had an event there. He, he spoke, but he didn't speak about this. He said it's been 30 hours, and he still has not read through the report. So, obviously, you know, someone's telling him to be quiet at this point. Close your mouth. Shut your trap. Relax. Fall back. And, and let's see how this thing shapes up and, and shakes out and see what happens. I mean, but at the end of the day, he's probably going to get a suspension. You know, it's uh, uh, it seems imminent that, according to all reports, that it's going to be imminent that the NFL will come down with some kind of something, some kind of punishment. You wonder if the Patriot organization is going to get punished. I know uh, Belichick and um, the organization itself were cleared, but at but at the end of the day, you know, Roger Goodell tends to hold organizations accountable for what goes on within their organization. The Saints, you know, the Saints, they were held accountable. Everybody in the organization was held accountable for that whole situation. So it happens. And so we'll see how this thing uh, works out. I'm very interested, truly interested. I can't wait to see what happens. Second hour of Go For It starts right now. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have... Go for it. Started right now in this hour. We're expected to be joined by Hall of Famer Willie Rowe, also Ryder University assistant basketball coach, and our NBA analyst Marlon Gill will be joining us, talking all things NBA playoffs. They get started again tonight. Day off yesterday, but they're back, hot and heavy. Game three, Clippers, Rockets, and also Game three, Cavaliers, Bulls. You know, two big Game threes, and then Game threes are always big. You know what I mean? It, 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 you get an opportunity to go up in the series, and you know more often than not, you can go up two one. You got a big time advantage in terms of winning the series. So we'll see what happens in those game threes tonight. J.R. Smith is back for the Cavaliers. Chris Paul expected to be back for the L.A. Clippers. Let's go to Lashawn McCoy now. Lashawn McCoy uh, had some interesting comments. Told ESPN the magazine that quote Tim Kelly got rid of the good players. Uh, especially the good black players. Um, here's the thing, you know. Obviously, there 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 is an argument, I guess, that could be made in terms of whether or not. I guess there could be an argument that could be made in terms of if Chip Kelly is a racist or not. From this standpoint, I'm not saying he's a racist. I don't know the guy. I don't think he is. I don't think you can be a racist in the NFL when 60 to 78%, 70% of the, the, the population of players are black. So I think it's very difficult to be to be a racist in the NFL. Not impossible, obviously, but I would think it would be very difficult for you to, to be a racist and also be a coach in the NFL. But anyway, 
the whole situation with Riley Cooper, you know, Riley Cooper at the, the Kenny Chesney concert, you know, N-word this, N-word that, so on and so forth. We know the story. Well, anyway, Riley Cooper ultimately was sent away for a weekend, came back. He was on the team, ultimately made the team, ultimately had a pretty decent 2014 season, ultimately, excuse me, a decent 2013 series, parlayed that into a decent contract, and he was on a roster for 2014. But in the midst of that, a, a guy who was a better talent, Deshaun Jackson, your best wide receiver, Deshaun Jackson, well, he was cut. He was let go. And, you know, obviously he didn't fit into what Chip Kelly was trying to do, but he was let go. You kept Riley Cooper, you let Deshaun Jackson go. You know, and I guess you can understand how people can speculate from that standpoint. Also, the the Eagles are the whitest team in the National Football League as well. I mean, it's just a bunch of different things you you could point to. But at the end of the day, here's reality. LaShawn McCoy was replaced by who? DeMarco Murray. Nick Foles was replaced by who? Sam Bradford. I believe Sam Bradford has, has a little Indian in, in him as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense. Uh, Nelson Aguilar ultimately is replacing, well, Jeremy Macklin, they let him go. You know, you could talk about that. But they didn't let Macklin go. They gave him a decent offer. Macklin got more. He went on to, to go with Andy Reid and the Kinsey Chiefs. They replaced him with another minority in Nelson Aguilar. So, you know, you're getting rid of some of these black players, but you're replacing them with black players. So if you're getting rid of black players and replacing them with black players, then, you know, where is the racial component here? I think this is a byproduct of, of LaShawn McCoy being hurt. I, I, I think he's upset. I, I think he feels disrespected on some level, and he's just unhappy. You know, he didn't want to leave Philadelphia. Play, he grew up in Harrisburg, played at Pitt, came to Philadelphia, so he's never left the state of Pennsylvania. He, he, he went to college, went to high, everything in the state of Pennsylvania. And now he's shipped off to Buffalo. Well, Buffalo, Philadelphia. A major city in Philadelphia. Buffalo is a major city. But you're talking a, a, a very big city in Philadelphia. Buffalo, you know, I don't know. I've never been to Buffalo, so I don't know what to do in Buffalo. But I know there's a lot to do in the city of Philadelphia. And I know you're close to New York. You're close to D.C. So you're close to a lot of different places. So with that being said, I can understand LaShawn McCoy being upset. I really can. But at the end of the day, here's the thing. It's a business. And, and, And within a business, business decisions are made. Sometimes it's not personal, it's business. And, you know, you can argue that the Eagles replace LaShawn McCoy with a better running back in DeMarco Murray. I don't agree with that, but you can make that argument. You can make the argument that now the Eagles are better at the running back position with Murray, with Ryan Matthews. You can argue that. I disagree. Uh, You can argue that, and you can make a legitimate argument. I'm not sure necessarily it's true. LaShawn McCoy is a very good back. Two years ago, he was the rushing leader. He was the rushing king. So he's a very good back. And last season, he finished with 1,300 yards. So he was a good He's a very good back. But at the end of the day, I think this is a byproduct of LaShawn McCoy being hurt. His feelings are hurt. You know, this hurt his feelings that Chip Kelly don't want him no more. It hurt his feelings that Chip Kelly told him, you know what? Well, they tell him, but decided to trade him and replace him. That hurt his feelings. And so, but at the end of the day, you know, 
he went on and got more guaranteed money with the Buffalo Bills. So he got traded. He didn't want to. But in the midst of getting traded, he made more money in the deal. So he got traded and made more money in the deal. So life is good for LaShawn McCoy. But here's the danger of what LaShawn McCoy said. There, there, there is a, you know, there, obviously racism is alive and well in, the, in America. It, it, you don't have to look far to see it. So when guys like Sean McCoy throw it out there, it's dangerous because in this particular situation, he actually went to a better situation financially. And he was replaced by another black man. So for him to say that, I, I think it's, it's dangerous. It's dangerous, especially when there's real actual racism going on out here and guys are being denied opportunities out here. So I think it's dangerous. But, you know, I think LaShawn McCoy is coming from a point of hurt and eventually at some point, and, and maybe he knows something that we don't, and maybe there is a level of, of validity to it. But on the surface and, and just looking deep into it, I don't see it. But let's bring in a guy now, Hall of Famer, did big things in his career, Let's bring him in now, Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. Willie. How you doing? All right, yourself. Good. Good to hear from you. Likewise. Willie, let's get right down to it. Deflategate. It's come out, the Wells report, that Tom Brady probably knew something was going on with those balls and probably uh, had something to do with those guys deflating the football. Your thoughts on the Wells report, and should Tom Brady be suspended? Uh, well, they found out about the balls, and then and then they changed the balls in the second half. Um, I'm going to say they're going to have to suspend him because of uh, because of the situation uh, that happened, and, and because 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 of the media coverage. But when they looked at the balls, I saw. Um, Teddy Bruschi saying that that in and after some of his some of the balls they had were twelve point five or a little light also. So you you know I, you know, I don't really know about the way, what happens with these balls. If I'm gonna say I, I don't think he should be suspended. You know I don't really think you know I think they might have to suspend him a few games because I don't I don't think Roger I think he he didn't he was dishonest with Roger Goodell. And that's going to be the reason why, because I don't think Roger Goodell feels he was totally honest with him. And, and to your point, you remember Michael Vick. I know one of the reasons Roger Goodell, well, obviously he had to come down hard on him, but one of the reasons also was because Michael Vick did not tell him the truth. And, and to your point, Tom Brady, I think, has definitely been disingenuous throughout this process. I mean, you could tell he was lying at that press conference back in January. He seemed so uncomfortable. It, it just looked, he just looked like a liar. Um, does this affect his legacy? No. In your mind? No. To me, he's one of the top two or three quarterbacks that ever played the game. Still. I agree with you. I, I don't think it affects his legacy. And, I, and, and, you know, one argument I make, I know Jerry Rice recently came out and said that there were times where he would put a little stick on, on his gloves. So, I think if we start going after Tom Brady's legacy, I think you have to go after Jerry Rice's legacy. You know what I mean? I think it's it's similar in that in, in some respect. Do you think there should be a star, an asterisk next to the Super Bowl uh, with the Patriots? No, it shouldn't. And like you said, back in Jerry's day, a lot of guys were 
they used a stick on their gloves. So that's just part of what they were doing. They started cleaning that up when I came in the league. So, I mean, you, you can't put an asterisk by it. I think the Spygate deal was more that – was, that was more worse than what we're talking about here. So, I mean, when they changed the balls at halftime, you see what happened in the Indianapolis game. Didn't they get outscored like 28 to 3 or 6 or whatever? 28 to nothing. Yeah, so, I mean, it didn't really matter. So, right. I don't think it's that big a deal. And also, to your point, the following week in the Super Bowl, two weeks after that game, I should say, he came out and had another big-time performance. And the balls obviously were checked, and they were at the right weight. So, I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I think, to your point, I think Roger Goodell and the league is going to do something. The extent of it, we'll see how much. We'll see how long. But it should be interesting to see how they come down hard and, and will they come down hard on Tom Brady? Because you remember, you know, you look at the Saints bounty scandal, and at the time, you know, bounties were a part of football. They're, 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 they've always been a part of football. And at the time, there was the whole concussion lawsuit going on, and I think because of that concussion lawsuit, that's why the league came down so hard on uh, came down so hard on the Saints organization. So I, I think there's a similar similarities in this respect. I mean. How much does it really mess with the integrity of the well, game? Well, and, 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 and they came down hard on them, and they came down hard on them because they 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 told them not to do it. Again, Roger Goodell went went and addressed it with them. They had some, some they had so it was enough rumbling for them to know about it, and the Saints decided to do it anyway. And uh, remember the hit they put on Brett, Brett Favre, and right, you know, I mean, they took him out of in, in the in the in a big in the game, and that should have been a penalty that high low hit that they had on him. But like I said, I think Roger Goodell did address them or talk to the team before the season, and I guess he knew that they were still doing it. So uh, you know, with all that, like you said, with all the concussion stuff going on, I mean, there might have been some type of stuff going on with teams, but not not organ not organized to that extent. I mean, guys were just get up in means and say if you make a big hit on special teams or, you know, a big tackle or split the wedge, or, you know, guys will give special team guys, like I said, extra money because they weren't making as much. But it wasn't it wasn't organized to, you know, with the defense side of the ball to, to that extent. It was more for guys that were on special teams that weren't making as much money. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. And – it should be interesting to see when this comes down and whether or not he will. I think he will be suspended, but it should be interesting to see how long. Some, you know, I've heard some reports. Some people believe it's going to be a year. I, I don't think that's going to be. I don't think it's going to be. A year. I don't think it'll but, be more than four games. It can't yeah, be. I don't think so. You, 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 know, you know why? You know why? You're hurting the league. If you take Tom Brady out to the NFL at, at this point in his career, you're hurting. You're hurting. The, you're hurting the game. Right. You can't take the. You can't take one of the best players to ever play this game out for the year, and you can't take him out for more than four to six games because you're hurting that team and you're hurting your product on the field. So if you want to hurt the product on the field, then you do that. But I don't think the NFL is trying to hurt their product on the field. And also, you look at it, the funny thing is, if he does get suspended, you know, the Patriots start the season. 
They start the season Thursday night football. They start the season. Tom Brady, if he's suspended, won't be there. And, I, I mean, I know, you know, Adrian Peterson is also a very popular player. I know ultimately he was shut down for the rest of the year after the situation came out about him and his son. But to that point, just looking at that, you know, that was a situation where the bottom line was affected, where sponsors were talking about pulling out and things of that nature. So at that point, the league had to react. And, you know, so I, I get that. And, and it's going to be interesting. I'll see, we'll see what happens with Tom Brady, but it's truly going to be interesting to see how long the league shuts him down. I want to ask you this now, switching gears. LaShawn McCoy, he came out this week and said, well, Chip Kelly got rid of all the good black players. Your thoughts on that? I mean, because it well, sounds like kind of ridiculous. Said, I agree with you. He he got rid of McCoy, but he brought in uh, the running back from Dallas. I mean, I, 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 right. don't, I, I don't I don't put any merit into that. Uh, you know, he, I mean, he's been dealing with he, he he's been the coach at Oregon. I mean, so he's been recruiting a bunch of black kids from inner city LA and, and all over. You know that. Uh, uh, so I don't I don't put any merit into that into that either because. Uh, you know, if you watch Oregon's team before he got to Philadelphia, that was predominantly black black athletes and Hawaiian, the quarterback, Mariota, and all these type of different guys. So, you know, I mean, I just think McCoy's mad that he got let go and, and some of the top guys got let go. And I guess, you know, when you got guys like that that have been on the team, sometimes they feel like they have more weight than the coach does. And, and, and you know, to – you know, and for a little while, McCoy probably was the man on that team. So, you know, you just don't feel like you can be a new coach is going to come in and take over and be able to get you out of there. And, you know, he, he probably had some hard feelings. Then he got traded, and I mean, he, he divorced him. But uh, you know, he got a good he got a he got a good contract. Sure. And uh, you know, I'm happy that he got a good contract. Now, he's playing up in Buffalo, but he still got a great contract. <laughs> and uh, they bought somebody else. Bought some, they bought another the other running back from Dallas in. So, I, I, I don't I don't really. Uh, buying it at either. Yeah, and, and also I, I just think it's dangerous. I just think it's very dangerous. Yeah, you don't you don't do that. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's, it's just dangerous, with, especially with all the racism that is out here, and, and you're saying those type of things. Well, so yeah, look what's going on with in Baltimore. Look what's going on with the police and right. all this right. stuff, different stuff that's going on. If you, you you know if you say that statement, you know you better be able to 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 have something to back it up. You just don't just blindly say something like that. You know you can't do that. And, and to your point, he didn't back it up. He didn't come back with any other facts to support why he said what he said. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Roke. Willie, Willie I know you're a big-time boxing fan. Mayweather, Pacquiao, your thoughts on it? You know, I didn't know his shoulder was hurt. Um, you know, technical fight. You know, I, I thought Pacquiao would come after him more. I was disappointed when I when I was watching the fight, watching Pacquiao and watching more Floyd do what he normally does, pop shot him and 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 I'll point him and box him. And uh, I didn't know he was hurt. So Mayweather says he's hurt. I mean, I mean, the Pacquiao says he's hurt. He had shoulder surgery, and I thought it was going to be a better fight. I mean, I really, you know, the, and, the, and the problem was they had to fight right after that basketball game. And man, I mean, that that game seven against the. Uh, Clippers in San Antonio was one of the best games I've seen, and then you go from that to the game, to that fight. Everybody was expecting so much more, and they didn't get it. So, I mean, I was disappointed. You know, it, it, both of them made a ton of money. So, but I, I, you know, looking at 
I, I have to say that Mayweather, to me, is one of the best boxers ever. But the problem with Mayweather is he doesn't box like Sugar Ray Robinson and Sugar Ray Leonard and all these. These guys used to go after people, and, and he's a technical boxer. And that's when you look at Mayweather, you're going to look at him and say, yeah, he was a great boxer, but he's not an old-school boxer where he's going to go after somebody and punish him like some of these like the old-timers. I mean, just like Felix Trinidad. I used to love to watch Trinidad fight. I know he got knocked out from him, but I want to see a guy that's going to, going to lay it on the line and going to go after people and take shots. And that's just not who Floyd is, and he he, he didn't have to. You know, back in, the other, back in the old days, they had to go out there and box right. hard and fight 100-some fights. We look at uh, Chavez, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. was 87-0, and and he ended up fighting 100-some times in his career, but he started 87-0. and So uh, I saw that statistic uh, out there, Paul, uh, Chavez Sr. So I right. mean, there's been some great boxers that started off more than 47-0, but I will say that Floyd is a great boxer, but like I said, he's more of a technical guy, and he had taken a lot of punishment in his career, which is smart by him, but... I mean, I would have rather seen him go toe-to-toe more with some guys, and I think people will say that. But you got a lot of Floyd fans that say that's boxing. If he can't get hit, you know, that, that, that's smart by him. He keeps winning. For sure. It's hit and not get hit at the end of the day. Let, let me ask you this. You know, Manny Pacquiao, you know, he said he was injured coming into that fight. Ultimately, he got surgery for a torn rotator cuff. And, and based off the pay-per-view projections and everything, Manny Pacquiao is going to make 100-plus million dollars. With all that being said, would you have backed out of that fight if you were Manny Pacquiao? With all that money, I don't think he could. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> that's just too much money. I don't know. I mean, I mean, he. I don't understand how he boxed as good as he did with a torn rotator cuff. You know, you know, Paul. I mean, you look at the way he boxes. Like, man, they said shoulder hurt, but he was. You know, it, I, I mean, it, that's amazing to me to see him play, fight like that with a torn rotator cuff. And, you know, they wouldn't let him get the shot before the fight, but I guess he said it's too much money. He can't, you're going to make over $100 million. I mean, he'll, he'll, he won't, if he backs out, you know, for, how, I mean, he has to have that surgery. He's out nine or 12 months. So if he backs out, they don't fight for another year. Mayweather's right. not going to sit around and wait another year. So, I mean, he had, he had to go out there and fight. But, I mean, he, he won't ever get another payday like that. Right. But it, actually, but if they do it again, I mean, I think you could build up a market for that fight again. I don't, I don't think it'll be as built up as big. I think people and, – and I, I, you know what? To be honest with you, unless Floyd does something different, I don't think pe- people are going to be excited to see Floyd. That's why I think he's ready. To, you know, he's going to walk away on top, but people people are kind of tired of, you know, seeing him not knock, you know, those type of fights. I mean, they want right. to see somebody – they want to see somebody going toe-to-toe and make him fight. And if they don't get to see that, I don't think people are going to – I think it's going to wear off sooner or later. So the smart thing Florida is saying, he's going to cut back on his entourage and going to start cutting back. And maybe he's listening to Warren Buffett because, uh, you know, he said he's ready to retire. So he's going to have to cut back. And at the end of the day, you can't sustain that lifestyle with all those people hanging around you. So, I mean, he's going to have to at some point cut back. But – if you think about it, if he wins this, if he wins this next fight, goes forty nine and zero, he'll have an opportunity to go fifty and zero. That mythical mark with Rocky Marciano that a lot of people love, even though it really pertains to heavyweights, not to lower weight classes. But if he goes forty nine and zero, if he wins his next fight in September, goes forty nine and zero, 
and he'll be done with that Showtime contract and he'll go for 50-0, and 0, he can make a boatload of money going after that 50th win. And why not go after that 50th win a year from now against Manny Pacquiao, who's all healed up, shoulder all good. And I think be, you can you, sell Because you're going to have somebody like one-time Thurman or somebody like some, – you know who i really like to see him fight? If they can meet in some way, I don't know what uh, Andre Ward. I don't know what size Andre Ward fights at. If he really wants to be the boxer and people respect him, then he, who the best pound for pound other than Floyd that's close to him is Andre Ward. So I mean, I'd rather see him fight Andre Ward to see if him fight Pacquiao again. Two big wards at one one sixty eight. That's that's that. Okay, well, you got Thurman. You gonna have Amir Khan or somebody. I mean, no, I don't think people really want to see him fight Pacquiao again. I, I think they could sell it. If, if going for 50-0 with, you know, he got that 50-0. So, you know, if he wins the next fight, obviously 49-0. He goes for 50, Manny Pacquiao, you know, my shoulder was hurt in the first fight. This time it's going to be much different. Manny Pacquiao is still very marketable. I think it could be sold. Okay. For it to be sold? Manny's going to have to come back and fight somebody and fight and show everybody, uh, show somebody uh, that he that he that he can beat him. So Manny's going to have to come out and fight somebody before he would fight Pacquiao. I mean, before before people would believe in that. So I mean, I just I, just, I don't think they're going to fight again. Uh, that's just me. I bet you if they fight again, you buy it. I'll watch it. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. I, I didn't buy it. I was in Vegas. I went on somebody's house. But uh, uh, I'm not that interested in seeing it again, not after what I saw. Fair enough. Fair enough. NBA playoffs, real quickly, what are you seeing? Who, who do you like at this point? Who, who, who gets to the finals? Who wins it all at this point, in your opinion, based off of what you saw in the first round and based off what you're seeing in the second round? Anything that pops out to you? You know, I like Golden State, but I'm a little skeptical. You know, they, you live by the jumper, you die by the jumper. I just, I like, you know, I like the Clippers this year. You know, I mean, Donald Sterling is going to be real upset this year. I really like the Clippers. I like the way the Clippers fight. I like the way they look. I love the way Blake. You know, Chris, if Chris Paul. Can play and be productive the way the way Blake is playing. I mean, he had a triple double and, and uh, he had twenty six in the first half. And um, um, I think it's going to be tough on 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 the, on the Cavs in the in the East. Uh, I, I think they got a chance to get past the Bulls. Let me see here. Let me think here. In the East, we got Atlanta. Got Atlanta. We got, we got Atlanta and the Wizards, but John Wall is uncertainty with that wrist. And you got the Bulls and the uh, Cavaliers. Um, you know what? I'm I, I might be willing to say Cavs. Cavs versus Clippers. Cavs Clippers. Okay. We'll see. You go to a lot of Clippers games, right? Yeah, I've been going to a few. I'm, I, you know, I've gone to a few. All right, so you see Cavs, Clippers. Who wins it all? You know, 
You know, I want to say the Heat, but I mean, I mean, I, I want to say the Cavs, but <laughs> that's going to be a tough matchup with the Clippers. It's going to be a real tough matchup. You know, I, I mean, I might be willing to even say the Clippers might win the ring this year. Wow. I don't think they get out of West. I think they lose to the uh, Warriors in the conference finals, but we'll see. It should, should be but, a lot but, of fun. But the, but the Warriors just, if you pound them, you know what I mean? It's, it's going to be a tough series if you pound them. And the key to them is Chris Paul. Is can he stay healthy? And 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 if Blake keeps playing the way Blake is playing, then who's going to match up with him? Right. I mean, Andre Jordan. I mean, you. I'm saying. I mean, the kid from 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 Michigan State. Draymond Green. Green. I mean, but I just the Clippers to me they just look they're tough, man. They're, they're tough, and and, I, and 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 everybody talked about off the rivers, Paul. That kid, I, I like, I like. He plays hard. He, he's, he's scrappy. JJ Redick. I mean, I just, I just, I, I, I mean, I like the Clippers, man. I just, I just, some, some about them this year. But we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I like the Warriors to go to the NBA Finals. I like to see LeBron in a win. But you saw the Warriors when they, when when Tony when they start Ding them up and they stop making them when, they, when they're not making those shots. You gotta go inside. I mean, what are you gonna do when your jump shots are falling? But I mean, Steph Curry had an off night. Clay Thompson had an off night. That's what meant off night. Yeah, off night. So you know, your two best players arguably had off nights. They'll be back, and I think they're gonna win this series, and I think they're gonna ultimately get to the NBA Finals. They just—that's a team that they just score in bunches, and they just have big time explosions. They defend very well. I, I think they're gonna be there when it's all said and done. We'll see. But, but I think those are going to be some real good series between them. Well, first of all, they got to get past Memphis, and then uh, uh, I think that's going. To, I mean, I mean the, the playoffs have been very good. The series between uh, 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 San Antonio and, and the Clippers. I mean, they're battle tested, so uh, it's going. To, it's going. To, you know, the, the, that was a tough series. So when you make it out of a series like that and you beat the champs, uh, that was a tough series. So I'm, you know, I'm just. Uh, Looking forward to watching it, but we'll see what happens. But I'm going to Cavs and uh, the Clippers. Okay, Cavs and Clippers. We'll see. Willie, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best. Let's do this again. All right. You take it easy. Take care. Hall of Famer Willie Rofe giving his take on Gate, his take on LaShawn McCord, his take on Mayweather Pacquiao. And let's go to Mayweather Pacquiao now. Um, You know, there, there's been some people complaining. Well, you know, Manny Pacquiao knew he was hurt. And he still found a way to go into that fight. He still he still went into that fight even though he was hurt. Even though he was hurt, he still found a way to go into that fight. And, and going into that fight, he knew he wasn't the same guy. He defrauded the public. There's some people coming out here with class action, class action lawsuits, excuse me, going after Manny Pacquiao because he defrauded. He, he frauded you. He, he tricked you. He made you buy it even though he wasn't 100%. For all those people, if you're going after your hundred dollars, quite frankly, you weren't supposed. You shouldn't have been buying the fight to begin with. If you can't afford the hundred dollars, you shouldn't have bought the fight to begin with. Stop it. That's like people going after uh, uh, Peyton Manning. He didn't, and, and the Broncos, people who paid to watch that game. Well, Peyton Manning and the Broncos didn't. Peyton Manning didn't disclose, you know, his quad injury situation. He didn't expose that. So if you're going to come and go after Peyton Manning. I mean, go after uh, 
Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather, you need to go after Peyton Manning. You need to go after uh, uh, the Denver Broncos. So if you're fans of those two, if you were at that game, you need you need it. You need to go after Manning and the Broncos if you're unhappy with Mayweather and Pacquiao because, uh, you know, players, fighters, athletes going to games, fights, Hurt. It happens all the time. They play hurt. It's a part of the culture. It's a part of what happens. It's a part of what they do. So if if you're going to have an issue with that, Mayweather Pacquiao and Manny Pacquiao not disclosing his shoulder injury and everything, then you need to have a problem with Belichick and the Patriots and the, you know their injury reports. And and you know a lot, uh, you need to have a problem with a lot of people in sports. So ridiculous. Stop it. Such a litigious society. Everybody's trying to get a payday. Stop it. Stop it. Ridiculous. How about the Dallas Cowboys now? Dallas Cowboys, you know, they get Lyle Collins, a guy, the undrafted free agent, had the issue, had the situation where, you know, you know he was getting interviewed in terms of whether or not he, he had anything to do or anything, he knew anything about the death of his former girlfriend and the baby the girlfriend was hold was carrying found that we find out that the baby is is not uh, his it's not Collins's baby so and also he took some lie detector tests and at this point he is not a suspect at this point in time so it affected his draft stock it, it affected his draft status and ultimately he was not drafted i said that some teams should go after him in the seventh round it's a seventh round pick most seventh round picks get uh released so why not go after him in the seventh round and see what could happen? Maybe he's guilty. Maybe he's not. But at this point, he's not a suspect. So anyway, the Cowboys, they decided, you know what? At this point in time, let's do our due diligence. Let's do our background checks, all that good stuff. Let's sign I thought the team in the seventh round should have drafted him. I know he said he wasn't going to sign with any team that does not draft him in the second or third round. Players call his bluff. He's going, he's going to want to play. Call his bluff. He's going to want to play. He's going to want to get out there. Call his bluff. You hold all the cards. Hold, call his bluff. He, he wouldn't have wasted a year. He would have went out there. Team should have did it. But no one did. Ultimately, the Cowboys get him in the second round. So the Cowboys, you know, they basically had three first-round picks. Uh, the corner from Connecticut, Randy Gregory, who is expected to go in the top ten. Top ten. Gregory was expected to go in the top ten. Saw some mocks where he was like top five going to Washington. And then, you know, obviously he tested positive for marijuana at the combine and things went awry for him, but the Cowboys get it still in the second round if he can keep his nose clean and, and you know, stay off the weed and stay away from the weed. Randy Gregory could be a big time guy. For the Cowboys, and then the Cowboys, you know, they get Lyle Collins, so they got Collins, Gregory, and the kid out of Connecticut, the corner from Connecticut. So three first-round picks, basically. Collins was expected to go in the first round. Gregory expected to go top five, top ten. And then you got the corner from UConn. So the Cowboys made out good. They took some risks. But Collins, the reward outweighs the risk. Gregory, first-round talent, you get in the second round. You got to take that risk. So uh, I think things, and you know, these are two, uh, 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 
you know, Gregory, he can definitely help out that defense. And we'll, we'll see what happens with Greg Hardy. He's suspended for 10 games, but he's appealing. And we've seen guys have success with appeals of late, especially when it comes to that new domestic violence policy. So that should be interesting. We'll see what happens. Speaking of interesting, the NBA playoffs are going on. Then that's a lot. That's very interesting. How about the two? The, the all four of these series have been big time series. You know, Bulls, uh, Cavaliers. They're tied at one. Uh, first game, Bulls came out very good game. Got out early on the Cavaliers. You know, took the lead all the way pretty much all the way to the end. Tough game, close game, but they took it over down the stretch and handled their business. Game two, Cavaliers come out good out early and never look back. Blew them out in game two. You got the Rockets and the Clippers. I mean, Blake Griffin messing around, had a triple-double in game one, had another performance in game two, but the Rockets ultimately won that game. That series is tied at one. You know, the the uh, Warriors came out early on the Grizzlies in game one. Game two, uh, Mike Conley's back. Grizzlies come out, and they tie that series 1-1. And then the Rockets, I mean, then the uh, Hawks and the Wizards. Wizards come out, win game one. Game two, John Wall's out with the wrist possibly out for the rest of the playoffs with that wrist. But game two, Hawks come back, and they tie the series at one. A lot of great basketball going on right now. We're going to bring in a guy to talk about it, our NBA analyst and assistant basketball coach Ryder University, the one, the only, Marlon Guild. Marlon. Paul, how are you, man? How's everything? Everything is everything. Everything is good. How about you? I I can't complain, man. I I got one uh, sidebar for you, man. Uh, Go ahead. You know, I, I caught you talking about the NFL draft a little bit. Uh, when I was at St. Peter's, how about we tried to recruit Randy Gregory out of high school for basketball? Okay. So, you know, he was a pretty good basketball player, too. So, you know, I, I think uh, whatever he wanted to be successful at, you know, he'll be successful. Now, obviously, you know, we all know about the off the court uh, or off the field, excuse me, issues that, that he has, but. You know, hopefully he can get it together. And like you said, man, that, that's a steal for the Cowboys in the second round. So, for sure. You know, if there's any if there's anybody that can get that done, it's uh, Jerry Jones. So, uh, you know, good good luck to the Cowboys. Good luck to Randy Gregory. How, how close did you get to him in terms of talking with him? Uh, you know what, man? He wasn't going to be a qualifier out of high school okay. uh, for for either basketball <clears throat> or football. So, you know, at St. Peter's, we were able to have guys sit out and, you know, the old Prop 48, not a lot of right. schools were able to do it, but uh, we were, and, you know, we, we were we were pretty close, man. And, and honestly, uh, we didn't know how good of a football player he was. We just know he, he was a physical specimen on the basketball court at his size and could help out. And, you know, as you go along in the recruiting process, you hear that this kid's a, a top football player as well. And, you know, it's like, Oh, hey, if he don't want to play football, he can come play for us. But, uh, you know, he saw the bigger picture, and I, I can't be mad at him for that. For sure. Marlon, let's go to these playoffs now, man. Hot and heavy. Got the Cavaliers and Bulls. They're starting it off right now. They're, they're playing these two teams. Series tied at one. J.R. Smith is back for the uh, Cavaliers. At this point, Kevin Love, obviously, he's not coming back. <clears throat> Amon Shumpert was able to play. I know he had some issues with that groin. But how do you see this series now, game three and four in Chicago? Oh, uh, you know what, man? Games three and, and four, I think it'll be a split again. Uh, and, and the reason why I, I say that is, you know, the Kevin Love factor is a, a big factor. I mean, you, you got to look at 
one of the reasons he was brought in uh, this year by the Cavaliers was for the Chicago Bulls, you know, with, with the front line that, that they have. And now that, that you don't have him, you know, it makes it a little tougher. Uh, you know, so I, I think losing Kevin Love was huge. Uh, obviously, you know, J.R. Smith doing J.R. Smith things uh, <laughs> is expected from, from time to time. So you just have to live with that. And obviously, you know, uh, Shumpert being hurt, you know, that's still up in the air on, on how he'll play the rest of the series. But I think it's probably a series that, that goes seven. Uh, you know, and, and I, I would have taken the Cavaliers probably in five uh, with the Kevin Love factor. But now now that he's out, you know, it, I think it'll go seven. And, you know, what? nobody's talking about the, the point guard factor to a certain degree. And, you know, I, I think Kyrie Irving is taking on this challenge of, of playing Derrick Rose. Uh, you know, for where Derrick Rose was a couple years ago when, you know, everybody's still waiting for him to get back to that level. And, and so am I, you know, just being a basketball fan. You know, you're waiting for him to get back to that level, but then you got a guy like Kyrie Irving who's saying, well, hey, you know, look at me. It's almost like the little brother syndrome. Everybody's fascinated with, with the older brother, and, and he gets all the accolades, and then you have the, the little brother that just wants to get noticed. And I think that's what Kyrie's looking at right now. Like, hey, for me to be mentioned with the Chris Pauls, the Derrick Roses, the Russell Westbrooks, I got to take my game to another level, and I got to prove myself uh, on this stage. And rightfully so. You know, he's getting paid like one of the top point guards in the league. So he's got to step up and do what he has to do to put his stamp on not only this series, but also the league to show, like, hey, I am, you know, one of the top three point guards in the league. So you, you this series goes seven. Did you say the Cavaliers was going to win this in seven? I'm going to go Cleveland in seven, yes. Okay. All right, Cleveland in seven. And, and it should be interesting. I mean, obviously, some good basketball being played between these two teams. I think it's going to be obviously very competitive. I think these two teams are fairly evenly matched. And to your point, obviously, Kevin Love going down definitely evens the playing field on, on a lot of levels. And, you know, in game one, you look at uh, Cleveland, they went out and started Mike Miller. And obviously, the Bulls took advantage of that big time in game one, but we'll see. I mean, obviously, it's going to be interesting, and obviously it's going to be fun moving forward. Well, you know, you know what? Go ahead. I, I, I'll even throw this to you, man, and and everybody's talking about Jimmy Butler, you know, most improved player, and, and you know, don't get me wrong. I, I'm a big Jimmy Butler fan, but, you know, him being able to stop LeBron, everybody needs to stop it. Cut it out. <laughs> Just don't, don't even bring that up. Uh, when it's all said and done, you know, LeBron will be one of the top five greatest players of all time. And, and when he wants to turn it on, you know, we can talk about the headband, no headband, whatever you want to talk talk about. You try stopping 6'9", 260 <laughs> in seven games. It, it, it just doesn't happen that way. It's not that easy. And like I said, I have a lot of respect for Jimmy Butler, you know, what he's able – what he's been able to do with his career and, and things like that it has been great, but we just need to cut it out, man. And honestly, I, I think th- those of us that are old enough to have said we were able to see Michael Jordan play, we, we need to really like take in what LeBron James is doing because w- once LeBron leaves, 
I honestly think, you know, the NBA might be in trouble. Let me ask you this now. So we can't call Jimmy Butler the, the LeBron stopper? No, we cannot. <laughs> we cannot. Please, please don't. And somewhere Ruben Patterson is saying, no, we cannot as well. <laughs> We're talking to Rye University assistant basketball coach and our NBA analyst, Marlon Gill. Marlon, I want to ask you this now. And obviously uh, the night capper tonight, you got uh, James Harden and the uh, uh, Houston Rockets against the L.A. Clippers. Blake Griffin playing some big-time basketball. Split the first two games in Houston. Chris Paul expect to play tonight. We'll see what happens. We'll see how much he has. And in your opinion, let me ask you this. Should Chris Paul come back at this point in time? I don't know. We don't know, you know, how close he is to 100%, but the hamstrings are tricky. No, it, it, it is, but I think he, he does have to come back. And for the simple fact being that, you know, if the Clippers don't make it to the NBA Finals, it's going to be a disappointment, uh, you know, because everybody has them pegged to go to the Finals. I mean, they were put together to go to the Finals. Doc Rivers was brought in to go to the Finals. You know, you're paying Chris Paul X amount of dollars. You're paying Blake Griffin X amount of dollars. Uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan you're going to resign him for a lot of money, Jamal Crawford, Matt Barnes, you know. So I, I think Paul has to play because, you know, if, if they can't get out of this round, it, it'll just be a disappointment. Right. So you got to, you know, go arms blazing, guns blazing, you know, to do whatever you have to do to make sure you uh, you win this series. Um, and and I'll, I'll say this, you know, I, I've had this discussion with some guys Chris Paul has a lot to prove. I mean, let's just look For at sure. the past couple of years that everybody's, you know, kind of down on him, saying he's probably diminished as a player. And, and I think the San Antonio series showed that, no, you know what, I, I'm still here. You know, you guys aren't talking about me thinking I lost a step. Well, I just knocked off the defending champion. Um, that, that game seven performance uh, with the hamstring was, you know, one of the best performances I, I've seen in in quite some time. So, you know, I, I think he has to play. And, and also, you know, I, I'm going to apologize to Blake Griffin because I, I think maybe about a year ago I was on your show and I, I said what I said about Blake Griffin and he's making me eat my words right, right now. Uh, you know, you, you brought up the ice cube line, messed around and had a triple-double. Uh, he, he's, he's been phenomenal uh, these these past a uh, couple games going back to the San Antonio series, almost to the point where I'm, I'm being a hater to a certain degree, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, in the game seven closing seconds, you know, the last play of the game where the Spurs had, you know, had the lob play to Kawhi Leonard. I- I'm watching the game, uh, you know, w- with my brother, and, you know, th- there was a little issue with the clock, I think, and the Clippers were right. able to see the play that the Spurs ran, and uh, here I am being a hater. I'm like, hey, Blake Griffin knew what the play was because they ran it when the buzzer <laughs> went off, and he still got beat on it. So, you know, and, and like that's just me being a hater. But, you know, I, I cannot deny the fact that Blake Griffin has taken his game to another level, uh, you know, wants to be the leader of the team, and, and which is not a bad thing, even though you have a guy like a Chris Paul. But, uh, you know, there was one one part in the game the other day that, that really caught my attention. Um, or oh, actually, it was game one. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, the Clippers were on a roll. You know, they were putting up a lot of threes, and some were going in. And you know, they they were 
in what we like to call the zone. And they probably took one one or two too many threes. And Blake Griffin huddled everybody up at, at the free throw line and got everybody back in line. And, and when I saw that, I said, you know what? He figured it out. Um, you know, now how far that takes them, I'm not too sure. But, you know, he's raised his level of play, which has caused the rest of those guys on the Clippers to raise their level of play. And, and now, you know, you get Chris Paul back. It, it just takes them to another level. Has he raised his play enough uh, with Chris Paul now coming back, and we'll see what he's going to be. But has Griffin and the Clippers has Griffin raised his play enough for the Clippers to win this series? I think so. I, I think so. I, I think w- with the Rockets, uh, for them, it's all about scoring. And what you know is when you get to the playoffs, there aren't as many possessions because teams know the other team's tendencies because you play so many times. So as the games and the series go on, you know, you're starting to know guys' sweet spots and, and things of that nature. Um, w- one thing that I've noticed, and, you know, maybe this is why I'm in college and not in the NBA, but have teams not figured out that James Harden doesn't want to shoot the ball? Everything is a drive. And I, I think eventually, you know, the Clippers will figure that out if they haven't already. I mean, you look at their coaching staff, you've got – Lawrence Frank, who's one of the best uh, assistant coaches, if not one of the better coaches in the league overall. You know, Mike Woodson, when he coached with the Knicks, was a pretty good defensive coach. Uh, You know, so I I just look at, you know, the deficiencies that the Rockets have. You know, he stopped James Harden. I I think the other night he might have had a quadruple double because he almost had 10 turnovers uh, in in his game as as well in game one. Um, And, you know, I just think game two – you know, was the Rockets just saying, hey, we can't lose another one at home. But honestly, I don't think they want to play with the Clippers in this series. We'll see what happens. So you you like the Clippers in how many games? I, I say the Clippers in five. Five? Yeah. Wow. Even with Chris Paul not possibly being 100%. Yeah, because the Clippers have already shown that they can do it without him. And, you know, let's just call a spade a spade. Game one wasn't even close. Five, wow! I like the, I, you know, I had the Clippers going to the conference finals when this, uh, when the playoffs started, and I'm sticking with that. But I, I think it's going to be more like seven. I think six or seven. Actually, if the Clippers are going to have to win, they're going to have to win in six because seven game in somebody else's building is very difficult to do. So I think the Clippers are going to do it in six. But we'll see. We'll see. Definitely, uh, it's obviously a great series going on out there with the Clippers and the Rockets. I want to get your take now, John Wall possibly out for the playoffs with, with the wrist injury. Devastating, obviously, for John Wall. Devastating for the Washington Wizards, who I think match up very well against the Atlanta Hawks. And, and they almost look like the better team on some level. How do you see that series playing out with Wall probably not being there? Well, you know what? I, I'll you know add something else to what you said. You know, devastating for the Wizards, devastating with the whole playoffs, I, I think it's just devastating for the NBA if he can't uh, play. I mean, you, you look at what John Wall was doing up until that point. You know, he was pretty much staking his claim that, hey, if I'm not the number one point guard in the NBA, I'm not too far off. Uh, you, you know, you, you look at what he did in that Raptors series. Uh, you know, everybody knew how quick he was at changing speeds and finding guys and was probably a little too flashy. And the knock on him was 
he couldn't shoot the ball. But if, if you look at the the closeout game in the Raptors series, you know, and, and even game one of uh, the series against Atlanta, he was coming off ball screens, hitting mid-range pull-ups like it was nobody's business. And th- that's hard to – that makes him even harder to guard, you know, because now you have a guy that you can't keep in front of you. You know, if you play off him now, he's hitting jump shots. So, you know, and, and it, it was just a sight to see, you know, a, as a fan. It, it, you know, everybody knocked him a little bit for getting that contract that he got a couple of years ago. And, and I just thought that he, he was playing at an all-time high level. Uh, and, and, you know, the Wizards were probably my team that I, I thought they could make the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, you know, with their backcourt of John Wall and, and Bill. Uh, Gortat at, at the five spot, Nene at, at the four, and everybody knows my affinity for, for Paul Pierce, uh, who, you know, like he says, every time he hits a big jump shot, that's why they brought me here. Uh, you know, he, he knows what it takes to get to that level. Uh, and, you know, and, and even Otto Porter was starting to get going a, a little bit. So they were just clicking on, on all cylinders, and it'll be interesting to see how they're able to, uh, you know, regroup, you know, with, with this situation. If, if Wall isn't able to play, who steps up? It, you know, what, what guys are ready to, you know, grab this thing by, by the horn and say, hey, I, I got us. You know, we all know Paul Pierce is capable of doing that, but, you know, Paul Pierce is up there now. He can't do it every game. So I, I expect, you know, a guy like a Bradley Beal to, to step up, and, and he's got to stop getting hurt too. He, he, he's another one. I had high hopes for Bradley Beal, and I still do, but, you know, he's got to learn how to fight through those injuries a, a little bit better. We're talking to assistant basketball coach for Riding University and also our NBA analyst, Marlon Gill. So you, how do you see – do you see the Hawks getting it done now? You know, I, I think that this series is a toss-up. You know, the John Wall factor makes it a toss-up. If he was playing, I would say, uh, you know, the Wizards in six, but I think this one will go seven and – it's a toss-up in a game seven. Uh, you know, obviously Atlanta's the number one seed for a reason. Uh, they don't really have a stud. They kind of do it collectively, which you like to see as, as a pure basketball fan. You know, you, you like to see guys that can play together and, and get it done. But I'm right in the middle on this one, man. It can go either way, uh, you know, but it'll definitely be seven games. Now, we have the Warriors and Grizzlies, interesting series. At this point, Warriors jump out early in game one. Game two, Mike Conley returns. Grizzlies uh, lock down Clay Thompson, do a good job on Steph Curry. Series is tied at one. We go back to the grindhouse tomorrow night. How do you see this one? I, I know uh, your, your pick here, but how do you see this one? <laughs> uh, I, I like the Grizzlies, man, honestly. I, I think just from the standpoint of – you know, you go back two years ago, losing to uh, Oklahoma in, in the conference finals. Um, last year, you know, they had their little slip-up, not being able to get out the first round. And, uh, or excuse me, a couple of years ago when they lost to the Spurs, excuse me. And, and now you, you look at this year, to a certain degree, I think the Grizzlies know that their window's, window's closing a little bit. You know, Zach Randolph, uh, yeah, he's still young, 32, 31, 32 years old, but Zach Randolph's been in the league close to 13, 14 years. 
you know, Mark Gasol isn't getting up there. It's getting up there in, in age a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm sure he's looking at free agency, but for him to ha- uh, have a good free agency, he's got to play well. Uh, you know, having Mike Conley is big. I mean, we've just seen the difference from game one to game two. Uh, and, and then you look at a guy like, like Tony Allen, you know, who you can put on a Clay Thompson or a Steph Curry if you need to, um, and, and shut them down a little bit. And, and more so, you know, I think Clay Thompson because he's not able to go off the bounce the same way Curry is. And, and I think that's a, that's a big thing, you know, and, and Tony Allen, you know, you, you look at him all NBA defense. Yeah, the guy's been playing like that since he was in Chicago high school. You know, it, it, there's not, nothing has changed with his game. He's going to play hard. He's going to be a lockdown defender. Uh, and, and he's showing that now. So yeah, I, I think this one will go seven, but I, I got the Grizzlies in seven just from an experience factor. You know, I, I compare I compare this Golden State Warriors team to uh, – the uh, 96-97 Minnesota Timberwolves team, you know, with Kevin Garnett as a uh, second-year guy, Gugliotta, uh, Stephon Marbury was was a rookie, you know, and there was all this hype and, and things like that, and, and they could play, but, you know, they, they faced a veteran Rockets team that knew, you know, w- when to – when to step on the gas and when to just, you know, cruise a little bit. And that's how I look at the Grizzlies. You know, they're a team full of veterans uh, who knows when to step on the gas and accelerate, but then they know when to go in cruise control because the ride's going to get a little bumpy. You know, whereas you got the Warriors, man, they're full of energy, full of life. And in a 48-minute game, that's, that's going to win. You can't have that much energy for 48 minutes. So and game, and that, that's where I, I see them, uh, you know, dying out in the Game 7. Game 7 in Oracle, a, a place that the Warriors have had. And I know the, uh, the Grizzlies won there uh, the other night, but the place that the, 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 the Warriors have had so much success. I can't say it. Not a Game 7 in Oracle. I, I'll be shocked, but we'll see. Well, I, I, I'll even say this. You, you know, you, you look at, and the reason why I say that is because you know, Zach Randolph is a bully, man. He's proven. Martin Gasol, proven. If you can name me one guy on the Warriors' front line that's proven, I, I, I'd say maybe you have a shot. But, you know, the only proven guy maybe is David Lee. And he doesn't really play. Bogut. Nah. Nah. I, I'm going to take, take Mark Gasol. 10 out of 10 times over Andrew Bogut. For sure, for sure, no doubt. But I think you'd rather take those the, the, the Splash Brothers and also Draymond Green. Uh, you'd rather have those guys than the other three, than, than Conley. Than, and I'm not saying those guys, you know, I'd rather have Curry, Thompson, and Draymond Green than, than Conley, Tony Allen, Jeff Green, whoever else they put out there, Vince Carter as well. Uh, I, I, I see your, your point with that, but what's the one uh, – Old old saying: Defense wins championships. Those guys know how to defend in Memphis. You still got to put the ball in the basket, and the way those Warriors put the ball in the basket, those explosions <laughs> that they that they have. I don't know. We'll see. I, I mean, I, I hope it's a great series. I hope it goes seven, but I hope the Warriors win. <laughs> <laughs>
pleasure talking to you, man. Nothing but the best no, of luck. Let's do it again. No, thanks, man. As always, thanks for having me. And I'm definitely looking forward to talking to you down the road. For sure. Marlon Guild, assistant basketball coach, Ryan University, our NBA analyst. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash PKN, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForAgain. I want to thank Eddie George, Willie Rove, Cliff Rose, Marlon Gill for stopping by. Enjoy your weekend. I know last weekend was a great weekend for sports. But enjoy your weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.